Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Everything Pup podcast. I'm your host, Holly Montgomery. It occurred to me over the last few days that this specific topic has come up often in our stores, but it's not something that I've ever shared with you, my listeners. And I just wanted to, off the cuff, kind of go through a personal experience I've had with in-home euthanasia. And this is actually something that I've done for two of my uh, previous pets that have, of course, crossed to the Rainbow Bridge. And the experience is was actually, I don't know how to say this without sounding weird, but it was actually quite beautiful. So I feel like it would be really beneficial to pass that on to you in order to help you make your decision when the time comes for your furry loved ones. So grab a coffee, have a seat, and get ready for today's episode. You're listening to the Everything Pup Podcast, the place for dedicated pup parents to find valuable dog-centric tips, interviews with trusted industry experts and your favorite dog brands, and everything else you need to become an informed advocate for your best friend. Now, here's your host, Holly Montgomery. Welcome back, everybody. Now, as I mentioned in the introduction, this is going to be a real kind of off-the-cuff episode. So, This is just me sharing my personal experiences within home euthanasia with you because I found that in our stores, this topic actually comes up a lot. And it always surprises me that this is something that a lot of pet parents aren't really aware of, that this option exists. So I just kind of wanted to walk you through my own personal experience and why we decided to go this route and why I really think it was a real blessing for both my living pets and the ones that passed on and of course the humans in the family as well. So what is in-home euthanasia? Well, I don't want to say if you're lucky because euthanasia, it's never a lucky thing. I mean, losing our pets is always horrible. It's never a good experience and it's the definitely the hardest part of being a pet parent. But when the, the time inevitably comes for our pets and ourselves. And of course, this isn't an episode about um, human death. <laughs> but in this case, chatting about our pet's death, um, it's something that we do need to kind of be mentally prepared for. And putting this kind of planting the seed for you, maybe now, when the time comes, you know that this option exists. Now, in my case, I had three dogs and I have three dogs now, but we kind of had two sets of three dogs. So my first set was Brindle, Porter, and Dante. And those guys were all about the same age. And I don't recommend that (laughs) because my dogs all passed within a two-year period. And it was a rough, really rough couple of two years. Now, the first two had a disease called DM. And it just basically meant that their their back end was going. Um, This is common in boxers, which they can now test for. But Two of my three boxers had this, and it's kind of a slow, gradual death for them. It's not, I mean, no death is great. You, No matter what I say today, let me drive home that I don't minimize any death, no matter how it occurs or what experience, personal experience any of you have gone through. But in my experience with my three dogs, these two, we had a lot of time to prep for their death and it was almost like we did 80% of our mourning prior to them actually leaving the planet. And our third dog died very tragically, and he did not have the opportunity for an in-home euthanasia. 
This was an emergency situation, and sadly, I had just left the province and wasn't home. So it was something I wasn't there for, and I'm going to try to not tear up in this episode because, sorry, it's happening. That experience for me was awful and something that I'll always really struggle with because I wasn't there. But, sorry, deep breath. (sighs) Okay, back to the other two. Now, the other two with their DM, their back ends gradually started to go. And then it almost, it's almost like it creeps up to the front end of the body. And at some stage, they start to lose control of their bowels and um, their uh, urinary, you know, their whole urination process. So we reached that stage with Porter and Brindle. And Brindle was my oldest and the first to go. And I looked into the in-home euthanasia because I really wanted Brindle to pass at home. And because of this sort of ailment, we could plan for it. So we just called the clinic and there was actually services, particular vets that offered this service exclusively. But now a lot of vet clinics will offer it, even if you typically go to their clinic to visit. But um, so we scheduled it. And what happened was the veterinarian came out and the veterinarian was amazing. So we all gathered around. We actually went on the on the family bed, our bed in our master bedroom, and Brindle laid on the bed, and the other two dogs we allowed to wander around. And I'm going to tell you why I think that's important in a minute. But the veterinarian came in and took things at our pace. It was really amazing. I'm sure they had appointments to keep, so I know it's hard for them. And it's probably, I would say, awkward. And I'm not speaking for every veterinarian, but how hard would it be to be in a room? I mean, I suppose they do this in the clinic too. So they might be used to it. (laughs) If you're a veterinarian, please reach out and let me know. Um, But very compassionate, very slow at our own pace, paused after every moment in the process to make sure we were ready. So when the time came and needles started to get poked, (laughs) um, we were laying in that bed with Brindle. We were holding her We were stroking her fur, and when she passed, it was almost like a very heavenly, I don't even want to say holy, I'm not a religious person, but you could feel her presence leaving her body, and it was a really beautiful experience. And when you have the opportunity to plan like this, and it's not a tragic, hurried, stressful kind of situation, you can experience the death for what it is. And I mean, everybody, of course, has their own beliefs and experiences about that. But for me, being there, being able to hold her and to feel her leave gave me a lot of closure. Sorry, (laughs) how can you get through this without crying? But What I thought was actually, at this point, people are crying, of course, you've said goodbye. And um, the veterinarian left the room and gave us time, which was needed. And we, we cried, we, this part is important. Our dogs, actually, the two that were not scheduled for euthanasia, were there and present, and we allowed them to move throughout the room at their own pace and do kind of as they 
as they saw fit so that they could experience this the same way that we did, you know, having their own experience. So what happened when Brindle passed was the strangest thing. The dogs came up and they smelled her body. And it was almost as if, and I swear, (laughs) I could have almost heard them say this. They went up and sniffed her body and it was almost like they said, oh, she's gone. (laughs) And then as dogs do, they live in the moment. They moved on to the next thing. They went, they left the room. They found their toys. They, they just moved on. Now, (laughs) what a crazy privilege would that be? Hey, (laughs) just the realization that this has happened and then being able to just move on. Of course, as humans, it it doesn't happen so easily. Now, the reason why I want to share that with you is because in my store, we hear about, um, of course, it's one of the hardest parts of having a store is we hear about your experiences with losing your pets. And a lot of the times when a pet leaves the home and is euthanized at a vet clinic, whether that's by choice or by emergency or uh, by appointment, by plan, um, and then the humans come home and the dog's gone, the existing pets in the home seem confused and they do strange things like picking up their their uh, brothers, sisters, bowls or toys and bringing them to the humans and just overall seeming very unsettled and confused. And my personal belief on that, remember I promised there would be woo-woo in this podcast from time to time, is that they actually, they don't know what's happened. And when you come home empty-handed, they're confused and they don't know they don't know what's going on. So they don't have that closure. And I think those pets, from what I hear from customers, they very often stop eating. They're sad. They they mope. They're a little lethargic. They're not as playful. And of course, every animal and human has the entitlement to mourn in their own way. So I'm not saying every pet is going to be the same, but in my experience hearing your stories and then my own experience with in-home euthanasia where the pets were present, it seems to me that it's a confusing situation for them. So them being able to just have that closure by smelling the body when the spirit or the soul or whatever your belief is has left, the vitality, it seems to be a good way for them to just really understand what's happened. And those two dogs, Porter, I lost him, as I mentioned, shortly after from the same stupid DM. Um, it was a similar experience. So then when our my third dog passed tragically, the new set of dogs had started. We had brought Grizz home. And Grizz wasn't hugely attached to the first group of dogs. So when Dante passed, Grizz didn't really have a real period of confusion or mourning. It just didn't seem to really phase him that much. And as the person who knows my dogs really well, I understood how that first group was really close and how as I transitioned over to group two (laughs) of the three I have now, how they weren't overly attached, the ones I had at the time, to the the other dogs. So it made sense to me. So we didn't really have to uh, have the same consideration. Although I would suggest if you could do it, still do it because every 
dog, of course, and every situation is going to be different. So after Brindle passed away and uh, we had a few moments to collect ourselves, in this particular situation, the veterinarian also brought another person with her that actually was from the, I don't even know what the official name would be, but the place where um, they cremate the, the bodies. And this person came and also provided us with some options when it came to uh, memorial products. Now, I remember feeling like the timing on that was really shitty. And you're very upset, you're crying, and you're su- supposed to choose a paw print and the color you want and all these other, like just basically make decisions. Decisions that you're not mentally capable of making. And I understand that this is the process and there's not really much in the way of getting around that. But what I would suggest to you, because I believe every single situation and clinic is probably going to work differently. But if at all possible, when you book your appointment, if you can ask, maybe if it's possible to make those decisions beforehand, because I wouldn't have wanted to have not gotten those things like choosing I believe there's a, a few different um, cremation options. There's a group cremation and there's a single body cremation. So the group cremation, I believe, is cheaper and your dog's ashes are mixed with the ashes of other pets. And you have to make that decision. And then if you want a paw print, and I'm sure depending on the company that um, is participating in this with you, there's probably a number of options And for me, it was a paw print. So um, I don't even remember if I got the paw print. I believe I did. I'm not really sure. I don't remember. This was a while ago now. But I I actually, in the meantime, have decided, and I've done this already, I've gotten paw prints made of all my dogs while they're here. So I went through, there's a company in Calgary called Pear Tree, and you can get actually a mold kit. And you can get the paw print made now. I made all my dog's paw prints, the ones I have now, and they're hanging on my wall in a photo display. And maybe I'll take a picture. And if you um, go to the show notes in this episode, you can see what I've done. But then I know that I don't have as many decisions to make when the time comes. And this is something that, geez, as a pet photographer, I always begged people to consider these things before your animal gets sick because the hardest thing about being a pet photographer was getting those emails. My dog just got diagnosed. My dog is not feeling well. My dog is losing weight. My dog is getting old. He can't move anymore. And all of these situations that would come up and require a quick, immediate photo session before this pet is 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 gone, before it's too late. And those sessions, and this could be another podcast episode, but those sessions were never as, um, I mean, they're meaningful, don't get me wrong, and they're important. So if you're at the stage now where you are considering it, do it. You will never regret it. But what I always liked to tell people was, please do this before your dog is at the end of their life. Because You can go to the places you want. You can get the photos you want. You can have the vitality in the photos that you remember your dog by or that you want to remember your dog by. And people have a really hard time. This is a human thing of actually preparing these things before 
the time comes. And this is why I'm bringing up the point with the paw prints, because I'm going to say this today and you're going to say to yourself, that's a good idea. And then you're going to (laughs) forget and you're going to move on. And then you're going to be in the situation where it's time and you've got to make those decisions under duress. So if you can find a, a company that's offering the paw prints or whatever the thing is that you want, because I know that the, you can even get jewelry made from hair. Um, again, a potential another podcast podcast episode, we could talk about these memorial products, but um, imagine the comfort that you would have in knowing that you have everything that you want and need and that would be meaningful for you to hold on to before that tragic time comes when you're left making decisions when you're you're upset. So paw prints, necklaces, whatever it is and and I don't know this might be a little bit too crazy but you could probably even find an urn. But the thing is that an urn is something that you can you can plan for after. You can wait weeks. You don't have to make that decision on the spot. When a paw print for example is something where they're going to require the the actual paw print and or if you're making jewelry or something else they're going to actually need the hair so these are decisions you're going to have to make before uh, your pet is cremated or buried or whatever the decision is that you make so again i just wanted to reiterate i'm telling you this because as i mentioned a lot of people don't realize that this option is there for them and that perhaps their clinic might actually offer it But if they don't, your clinic probably has somebody to refer you to that you can plan for. So look into it. Um, Decide if this is in your case. It might not be an option because it might be an emergency situation. As I mentioned that Dante's was, he went into heart failure um, somewhere between the age of 13 and 14. We don't know his exact age because he was a rescue. Um, But that was obviously a very different tragic death. And to be honest, Ron had to make those decisions on the spot in that case too. And that was not a beautiful experience. That was not something that um, anybody wants to remember. And actually to this day, Ron has never even really told me what happened because he said he doesn't want me to to know. (laughs) So that was an uncomfortable laugh, by the way, because like, as I mentioned, this is not something I... Uh, feel comfortable. I don't, I'm not happy with the way that went down. But the other two, the in-home euthanasias, we planned them. We set an appointment a few days ahead. The vet came. We were all there. It was a very loving, beautiful family situation. And the vet that was there did such a great job. And then this was the case in both cases, uh, two different vet clinics. But um in both cases, a very beautiful experience that I do look fondly on, even though, of course, we lost our pets. But it was the best possible way. It's the way that I actually hope that I pass away, (laughs) being surrounded by loved ones and um, having all of that, that beautiful love surrounding me. So hopefully this was helpful for you. And uh, kind of planted a seed into 
not thinking about losing your pet because this is not meant to be a sad episode, even though, yes, there were tears, <laughs> at least on my end. But it death can be, it's inevitable, it's going to happen to all of us, but it can be a really beautiful experience. And I hope that when the time comes for you and your pet, that you experience something as lovely as I did with Brindle and Porter. All right, you guys, have a wonderful day. And we'll speak again soon. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening. If you loved this episode, please subscribe and share with your dog-loving friends. The information in this podcast is not intended to replace veterinary care. Always consult with your veterinarian for diagnosis and treatment of your pup.